Good morning. Happy Father's Day. In honor of Father's Day, I thought I'd tell some dad jokes. Is that okay? So a dad joke works like this. Um, when the baby is born and new, they laugh at everything. You play peekaboo, they laugh. You make silly sounds, they laugh. You get a laugh every time. It's gold, okay? But then dads kind of plateau there at that maturity level, and the kids get more and more mature, and your jokes don't land the same way anymore. They don't have the same punch. And so you get a sigh instead of a laugh, and a head shake, and a... Oh. And so that is the purpose of a dad joke. You're not supposed to laugh. You're supposed to kind of sigh in pain. And so let me share some with you. Are you ready? How does a penguin build its house? He glues it together. Why don't skeletons ever go trick-or-treating? Because they have no body to go with. Oh, see? See the groan? See how that works? Uh, what do you call a man with a rubber toe? This is one of my favorite. Roberto. One of my favorites. What's brown and sticky? A stick. All right. It's, our theme this morning is compassionate, so I'll, I'll just, just a few more. Uh, why did the scarecrow win an award? Because he was outstanding in his field. And this last one, I don't know if you'll get it. It took me some time. <laughs> I ordered a chicken and an egg from Amazon. I'll let you know. Which comes first? Oh, you're good sports. Some of you are writing those down and you're going to use them at lunch, and I want credit, okay? That's all I'll say. All right, we're going to talk about uh, compassion this morning. Let me uh, show you a picture. Uh, this picture was taken in March uh, after a terror attack in New Zealand uh, when the Muslim community was feeling very, very vulnerable. And during such a dark and difficult time in a country so often immune from violence, this picture captured a moment of compassion that was so powerfully healing. It's a simple hug, a simple embrace, a sign from the Prime Minister of New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern, sharing the burden of a woman who was distraught and overwhelmed by what was going on. And it was powerful. It went viral. Uh, it ended up becoming a digital uh, graphic that was shone on one of the skyscrapers in Dubai a week later. In Melbourne, they made an 18-foot mural of this hug and put it on the side of one of their buildings in the city. And it reminds us again of the power of compassion. There was something so hopeful about this image that captured people's hearts, and they were sharing this picture around the world. We've been talking about our values here at Rivercross Church, the things that we value more than other things. Every church has its own values. A lot of them are shared. We'd share them with other churches. And then there's some ones that just kind of make each church unique. Today's is probably one of those values. Not that you wouldn't find it in other churches, but maybe the, dis the, the proportion of it that we have here is different simply because of the way that God has gifted this congregation. He's called us and he's created a sense in our hearts of the importance of sharing and showing compassion to other people. Let me just talk about compassion for a little bit and kind of define it for you. You will feel compassion before you even maybe know what the definition is. You felt it. You have a family member or a friend who's going through a difficult time and you feel it in your gut. When you hear about their story, when you make contact with them and you hear about the details of what's going on, you feel it. 
You start carrying it around in your body. It's like your gut and your heart are connected. It's no surprise to us that the Hebrew word for compassion comes from the word for a mother's womb, meaning that compassion is a feeling of deep love from the deepest place. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you're carrying somebody around like that in your life right now. There's circumstances. Even you would say, I feel it. I feel their pain. And while it's difficult to bear that sometimes, you and I would both say we do not want to live in a world without compassion. You know, as you read the Gospels, what's amazing to me is that as Jesus comes across groups of people, his first response to them is compassion. He feels their pain. In fact, the passage that we're going to look at today is halfway through the ministry of Jesus' life. And it's interesting to me that halfway through his ministry, he was still moved by the brokenness and by the burdens of people. In fact, think about his very last hours on earth while he's being executed on a Roman cross. And he looks down and sees people. What does he say to them? He prays for them. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He was compassionate right to the end. But compassion isn't just a feeling, it's an action, which is what makes compassion different from empathy. Empathy means you feel someone's pain, but compassion means you're moved to act, that you feel love and concern for someone in your guts, and it moves you to engage and to help out. The word compassion literally means calm with Passion, suffering, meaning you're entering in to somebody's suffering. You're walking with someone as they suffer. You come alongside them and you see them carrying a burden and you put your shoulder up underneath that burden and you carry it with them as they go through. Compassion is entering into the unsexy, frustrating, slow loving work of loving people exactly where they are. Now, if you think about compassion and you think, well, I'm not the kind of person that's soupy and sappy and touchy-feely and, you know, I'm always got a pile of tear-soaked Kleenexes with me everywhere I go, that's fine. That doesn't mean you're not compassionate. If you're going to enter into someone's difficult circumstances, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And compassion is often sustained by rational thoughts like fairness, and justice and sound action. In fact, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about a member of our church family who has a real compassionate heart. And they took uh, over leadership of a ministry that deals with people on the margins. And it was really, really struggling. This individual had a heart for the ministry. They had great business sense and real strong relational skills. And they brought the ministry back from the brink. And I thought that's a perfect example of what compassion could look like. And so compassion is one of these things that we value as a church. Whether it's supporting people as they grieve, supporting people through our benevolent ministry, helping them get counseling, our, our upcoming mission trip to El Salvador, working with the five new Canadian families who've come to Canada, or all of the ministries that flow out of Rivercross Mission. It seems the Lord had, has called us as a congregation to have a ministry of compassion in our city. So let's read. There's a passage I want, us to sh I want to share with you today from Matthew chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. It's on page 1510 if you want to turn with me. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38. 
page 1510. And as Matthew is counting the life of Jesus, this acts almost like a summary statement. It's like he just puts pause and he just kind of gives us a summary of what Jesus' ministry is like. And it's so powerful. It goes like this, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. When he saw the crowds, something moved in his gut for what they were going through, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. But then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Let me just make a couple of comments about compassion uh, as we think about what does it mean for us as a church to embody this value and to sustain it as we continue to look for opportunities to walk with people as they go through difficult circumstances. First thing, passion reminds us that people are not problems to be solved. People are not problems to be solved. No one wants to be identified by their worst moments. No one wants to be identified by their public mess, and no one wants to be treated like a problem that needs fixing. And whenever we're working in the area of compassion, this can be a temptation. You've got a problem, and I've got a solution. You don't know something, I do know something. You've made these mistakes, I've learned from these mistakes. Let me just give you this advice, and I'll fix everything in your life, and it'll be easy and good, right? And as if it was that easy. I'm a fixer by nature. I just want to fix things and make them better. That's just kind of, and it's very frustrating because so often compassionate ministry, people are not looking to be fixed. They are not problems to be solved. I joked at the first service that my, uh, early on in my ministry, my, my favorite advice for every person that ever had a problem that came to me was this. Simply, number one, stop doing that. Number two, say sorry to the people you did that to. Number three, don't do that again. And that was it. I thought that would solve everybody's life's problems and everything would be so much better. But compassion isn't just about giving advice to people. If you get involved with people who are in need of compassion, you suddenly realize things are just not as simple as you seemed. Their situation is much more complex than you could have ever imagined. And there are no quick fixes for anything. And so we enter in humbly. We carry the load and we show the love of Christ with them as they go through their journey. It's interesting here, Jesus calls them sheep without a shepherd, which isn't maybe a metaphor that means something to us, but in Jesus' day, people understood what it meant. It meant they lacked guidance and they lacked direction. And so much of our compassion ministry is helping people find guidance and direction. So they simply follow along, typically, with what everyone else is doing, believing it's going to make them happy, and they run into trouble. And they need someone to enter in with them at that point and show them the way. And the truth is, when you just kind of follow along with what everybody's doing, it takes its toll on you. And it can mean that you get a little bit beat up and dinged in life. Jesus says that these people were like harassed and helpless. Uh, One of my favorite translations as I was studying this was mangled and downcast. How'd you like that to be how people describe you? Mangled and downcast. People who believed a lie. People who had no direction and got beat up on life. 
People who believe that the lie that just having a little bit more money will make everything happy. The problem is that a little bit more money is always $10,000 more than you have right now, which leaves you always chasing and unhappy. And Jesus has compassion for these people. People who work so hard to be good, who keep all the rules, who are responsible, and slowly over time they've drifted to become thinking they're better than other people. And they're actually perpetually annoyed and frustrated with all of the problems of people around them. Jesus has compassion for people like this, too. People who've made one foolish decision after another and it's caught up with them and they're living in the mess of their consequences. And they're feeling incredibly lost and wondering, is there any hope for me? Jesus has compassion for these people. Or people who grew up in a religious environment where all that seemed to matter was what you looked like on the outside, and yet the inside in your life was crumbling and falling apart, and eventually that inside life got exposed and everybody saw it, and you got pushed to the sides. And you felt worthless. Jesus has compassion for these people. You see, when we see people, we're conditioned to see them by their problems. When Jesus sees people, he sees disciples. He sees disciples who are in need of direction, who are in need of love, who are in need of encouragement and forgiveness. He has come to be their shepherd. Compassion means seeing people as God's children, as his sheep first. The last thing that I notice about this passage is how it ends. Jesus calls us to have a heart for people, to have compassion for people. Maybe as I read that final verse about the fields being white unto harvest, that sounded familiar to you because you heard that in a church service that was recruiting volunteers, right? Nursery workers, middle school leaders, Hope Mission volunteers, and we gave the altar call and had a clipboard down front. Come on down. The field is white to harvest. The fruit is going to spoil. We need you now. And that's true. This verse speaks to that. But what it speaks to first is that we can do all of those things, but we must first start with a heart of compassion for people. All of those things must flow from the heart like Christ towards people in need. And Christ is calling us to go into the world with his heart to do all of these things. The world doesn't need more angry Christians standing on the fringe, pointing their fingers at people, telling them everything they're doing wrong with their life. The world needs a church that sees the brokenness in people's lives and remembers that we are broken people too. And there was a moment in our life when Christ came alongside us and carried our burdens with us and led us to hope and led us to healing. And we ought to help relive that in the lives of other people. As I mentioned, we have a lot of people who feel a sense of call to be involved in ministries of compassion. And you know, one of the beautiful things when you sit down and talk to them, you realize their life hasn't been easy either. They've had their own struggles. That's a great place to start. But they remember a moment when the love of God touched their life through the kindness and caring of another person. And they simply are humble enough to say, what if I could do that for someone else? This is what compassion ministry looks like. The secret to having compassion, the secret to staying compassionate and not burning, over time, burning out over time is remembering that we are broken too. 
and God still comes to us. There's a passage in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, and it says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, and listen to this, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we have found ourselves. See what Paul is saying here? You don't have to manufacture this comfort and compassion on your own. You've received it from the Lord, and you share it with others. God has showed us compassion. He felt our pain. He entered in and walked with us towards hope, and we have the privilege of doing the same with others. And as we do, we'll find an incredible way to demonstrate the love of God to a world that is wondering, what does that mean? And what does that look like? I'm going to ask the guys to come back up on the stage for our, our closing song here. Let me ask you today, can you think about what this would look like for you to live out? Can you think of some people, maybe a community of people, maybe a group of people that you're aware of who just need to know that there is a God that loves them and isn't angry at them? Maybe there's a friend or a family member that you know of who just needs to know that there is a God of compassion who is waiting for them. And maybe that person is you today. Maybe you've been doing a really good job hiding things under the surface, but things aren't right. Maybe you're feeling lost. Maybe you feel like you need some direction. Maybe you feel like you need a good power washing of your soul in order to go on. But your biggest fear is this. How will God treat me if I come to him? And again, think of the image in this passage of Jesus standing watching the crowds and being moved with compassion for all that they're going through. That's how he would respond. God's heart goes out to you today and he wants to come alongside you and be your shepherd. And it will be my hope today that you would have the courage to welcome him into your life and let him lead you. For other of us today, you're feeling prompted by the Holy Spirit are some people in your life that you need to give some time and attention to. That the Lord might use you in some way to be his river of blessing to them. Let us pray. God, today we thank you that you did not walk away from us in our time of need. You did not roll your eyes and scoff at us because of the mistakes that we've made. Your heart was moved to us. God, help us never to remember that we continue to struggle, that we ourselves are still a broken people on the road to healing. And may as we remember how good you've been to us, that you have been the father of compassion in our lives, may we humbly come alongside those in need around us. Lord, today, if there would be anybody here who's wondering if you care because of the burdens they're carrying, may they know today that you are good.